Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Seventy years in Babylon. We are, in this life, seventy years in Babylon. We've all been carried off from Jerusalem, that city of peace, and we've been taken captive. We've been carried off to Babylon, and there we shall endure a lifetime, seventy years, in hope of a better future. At least for my purposes in today's message, And beyond that, we must not think of the 70 years the Jews spent in Babylonian captivity as analogous to only a portion of this life. No, those 70 years are the entirety of this life. As the psalmist tells us, the days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, our life is 70 years And if we're strong, maybe if we're lucky, perhaps we get 80. He goes on to say, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. This life is labor and sorrow. Seventy years of labor and sorrow. If you're really lucky, you get an extra ten years of labor and sorrow. This life is full of grief. Seventy years in Babylon. That's it. That's the truth of it. I don't know what the radio preacher or the TV preacher is telling you, but he's not telling you the truth. He's not telling you that. There is no utopia in this world. Our society, our culture, I mean this one here that we're in, we are one generation from complete and total collapse. I personally believe we've crossed the tipping point and that it is irreversible. But with God, all things are possible. But it is very unlikely we will turn away from what appears to be the inevitable. We are 50 years here behind post-Christian Europe and on the verge of societal, cultural collapse. The kingdom is not of this world. The new Jerusalem is not of this world. This world is Babylon and it is passing away. As I have told you again and again, this world is not your friend. In this world you will have grief and sorrow and trouble and labor. When I put my maniple on, what's up there now, when I put my maniple on in the sacristy, I say this prayer. Grant me, O Lord, to bear the light burden of grief and sorrow that I may with gladness take the reward of my labor. I can tell you, I pray this prayer with all sincerity. I pray it from the heart, because the priesthood truly is filled with grief and sorrow. The constant struggles of sin and repetitive bad choices, which bring so much pain, unnecessary pain, to people's lives. 
Okay, I'm not trying to depress you this morning. I promise. And I'm not depressed, and all of you that know me know that I'm generally a happy person. Not depressed at all. I'm not depressed by the realization of these things I'm telling you. Maybe that's why I'm not depressed. It's because I'm willing to face the reality that this life is 70 years in Babylon and the Jerusalem we wait for from above is coming down out of heaven. And that this life is really a preparation for the next and we must spend it wisely, circumspectly, and soberly. I expect grief and sorrow. I am not surprised by it. Jesus promised it. I trust him. I take him at his word. In fact, the greatest danger, the greatest danger for an otherwise devout Christian that he faces is resentment. Resentment at the difficulties of this life. Resentment, if it becomes a habit, will produce all kinds of evil in a person's life. It will erode faith and courage and willingness to persevere in the good fight until the end, it will eventually blind a person to the love of God. They will not be able to see our God upon that cross and perceive his love and his power. In the end, it will deposit a person in a pit of despair. So beware. Beware of resentment over your lot in life. Receive your lot as if from God. Receive it with courage, with faith, even, dare I say, with joy. Is this possible? With joy. Yes, it is. It's not only possible, it is absolutely necessary if you want to finish well. It is required of you. God requires it of you. It is the only way forward. Count it all Joy, joy in the midst of 70 years of grief and sorrow. <laughs> How? Well, as we all can attest, there is also comfort in this sorrowful life. There is real and deep and meaningful comfort. There is even a sweetness that is much sweeter than the bitterness. Even the sorrow we have to go through can become in some strange way sweet. I cannot explain that. But somehow if we find Christ in the midst of everything, it becomes sweet. Even so, you must still accept that it is going to be grief. It is still going to be sorrowful. That is this life. But the comfort and the sweetness we have in the midst it is real, it is from above, it is from the Comforter himself, it is from the Holy Spirit who dwells within us and among us, the Spirit who is shaping Christ in us. He is our strength, he is our joy in the midst of this life. I often wonder and marvel really at how the saints, we read their lives and we see how much they suffered and they really bore within themselves, deeply bore the sins of many. They carried them vicariously. They bore the sins of many. Your sins and my sins they bore with much sorrow and grief. And yet, you wonder, how could they exhibit such joy? 
And this joy is evident in the life of the saints. It's always there. It's always a mark of sanctity. While at the same time they bury, bear the sorrow of our sins. It's a great mystery. But even a greater mystery than this is how God himself, how God himself, who has loved us beyond our comprehension and identified with us in our pain and sorrow, who bore our grief, who bore our sorrow and our pain and our curse and our disease, he who weeps with us and mourns with us and grieves beyond what we can comprehend through his love for us, at the same time, he is the fullness of joy. His joy is not in any way eclipsed or diminished by this identification of us in our grief. This is a great mystery. God is not in heaven wringing his hands. And yet at the same time, he's carrying our sorrows. It is a great mystery. I don't know how to explain it. But I know that we experience it ourselves in this life. When we accept that this life is going to be one of grief and sorrow, we will then be in a position to experience comfort, strength, and joy that is available to us in our present captivity. Now, we have all known people. I'm going to return back to this analogy of our own present culture in our country. We have all known people, perhaps we ourselves at times, who have been actually psychologically terrorized, it's not too strong a phrase, by the fear of the collapse of our American society and culture. I mean, if you spend any time on social media or uh, watching the news, it's evident. It's, it's around us all the time. I've fallen into it, and I have known many, many people who are literally terrorized by the fear of the prospects of what clearly lies in our immediate future. I've experienced this probably from binge-watching, you know, the news in the past. I don't do that anymore. Well, I have news for you. It's going to happen. It's going to collapse. This country, this culture, this society, it's going to collapse. Everyone does. And it will happen here too. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't try and preserve morality and sanity in our country, in our culture, in this life, but I, the collapse is certain. And when we face this honestly, that is the only way we're going to get past any sort of terror that we feel. When we realize that this is not the kingdom of God, this is not our hope, and this is not our home. Our citizenship is secured in an everlasting kingdom which shall not pass away. And inasmuch as we can know that, we will not fear anything. And the sorrows of this life will be swallowed up in that hope. And it is a hope that will not disappoint. This is, in a way, what the great character of Advent, St. John the Baptist, stands for. He's a bridge between the old and the new. Yes, clearly the new has come. Christ said on the cross, it is finished. Jesus is risen from the dead. He has defeated death and hell and Satan. We are redeemed. All of this is true. And yet St. John and his message 
of preparation is still pertinent for us in this life. Because while all of this is true, we are still mortal. And we are still wrestling against powers which are seeking to destroy us. We are still here in Babylon in this place of grief and sorrow. And we can still give up and choose not to finish our race. We are preparing to enter the eternal city. And the sooner we embrace this reality, the sooner we will find Christ in our midst, the sooner we can experience the comfort of the comforter. In a few days, we will hold the holy babe in our arms. What a joy this brings. What a joy this morning to welcome Michael back into the church after bringing forth Elsa into this world. They're staying with us for a few days. I told her she doesn't have to get me anything for Christmas. It's the best present I could have ever received. I can't tell you how the joy is just more than I can stand to hold my beautiful little granddaughter in my arms. And we will bear Christ, the babe. He is still. I hope I say this a lot. I don't, it's hard to communicate. Yes, he's the king of kings and lord of lords on the throne, riding on a white horse, doing war. He's still a little babe. He's still a little babe for us, even now. And we know him as such. And we'll, we'll, we'll enjoy this in a few days. And yet, you know what happens just a few days after Christmas. There is weeping in Ramah. Rachel weeping for her children because Herod's still around. There's still some grief to go through in this life. So yes, St. John has decreased and Jesus has increased. The old is given away to the new and yet we still need St. John. He still lives and preaches among us to repent and to prepare for the next life. Holy John, pray for us. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.